Welcome to The Code, your guide to health and human performance. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Fix from Physio Room, a performance-based rehab facility here in Denver. On this podcast, we're going to explore the key areas of your life that impact your overall health and wellness, from sleep hygiene and stress management to nutrition, movement, relationships, and more. We bring you conversations with industry experts and top performers to share strategies they have for cracking the code on health and human performance. Now let's get to today's show. Welcome back to The Code, everybody. Dr. Andrew Fix with Physio Room, again, back to host this episode. And today I'm really excited and honored to be joined by Andrew Brandt. Um, He's the executive director of the Jeffrey S. Morad Center for the Study of Sports Law and a professor of practice at Villanova University. Um, He spent times in his career on all different sides of like the athletic and legal industry, places like ESPN, The Athletic. I'm a huge fan. He spent about 10 years as VP of the Green Bay Packers, my childhood and adulthood favorite sports team. So, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me here on The Code. I really appreciate your time. Andrew, I appreciate you having me. Uh, Obviously, beyond sports, I'm interested in a lot of things. I think you are as well. So uh, happy to talk and share my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're right. You and I, although we have very different career paths, I think aside from the name, we have a lot in common as far as like things that we like to do, fitness types of things. Um, I have always been in, interested in running, and I understand you have a, a triathlon interest. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a tennis player growing up, and I played a little bit at Stanford where I went to college. And uh tried to play a little pro tennis back in the day, long, mm-hmm. long time ago. And that's that kind of pro sports is so different than what everyone sees on TV, completely different, where I'd show up in a little town like Chattanooga or Lake Charles, Louisiana, or Lafayette, Louisiana, and maybe three people in the stands and uh, call your own lines, pick up your own balls, just trying to get points. And I realized that was never going to be where I was going to finish my career or even start a career. So over the years I transitioned from tennis to running Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't want to just be a runner because I kind of saw like, you know, better than anyone, some of the injuries and overuse and joint issues that come with sort of putting a lot of miles on and not doing other things. Then I got into biking and swimming. So I became a short distance triathlete over the years. um, And did a lot of them pretty much sprint and Olympic distances. Mm-hmm. Never seemed to have the endurance gene to do the longer half or, or full Ironmans. Gotcha. But uh, we can talk about it. I've sort of traveled that world a little bit over the years. What's going on, Code listeners? Dr. Andrew Fix here. And I want to tell you about our friends at Element. Element makes a tasty electrolyte drink with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. That means the science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium and none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. And that's why I use it. I've been taking element for two years now, and I absolutely love the stuff and I wouldn't want to exercise without it for all of you code listeners and friends of physio room elements offered a special to you guys. And I want you to take advantage of it. Go ahead and visit drinkelement.com slash physio room. That's drinklmnt.com slash physio room to receive that special offer. You're going to get a free variety pack with any purchase that you place. And uh, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. Thanks so much. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. I love having a little bit of 
variety in my, you know, my fitness lifestyle. And whether that's because of, you know, as I do so much of one thing, I start to feel like my body breaks down a little bit, or I just get a little mentally fatigued. I like to do a little bit of everything. So there too, as much as I love to run, people ask me all the time, like, you know, well, have you, how many marathons have you run? I'm like, none, I haven't run a marathon. I've run 15 miles twice. Um, but it's because I love to lift and I love to bike and I love to hike and do all these other things that I know the time that it takes to train for and perform well. And like a, in a big marathon and, you know, I don't want to run six days a week or, or whatever. So, so yeah, let's, let's get into some of that a little bit, um, about like, you know, where you've come from and what you've been, been doing. So you said you went to school at Stanford, but like, where are you from originally? Then you went to school at Stanford and Stanford. And then like, what did you get into going forward there to give the listeners a little bit of a, uh, background about, about your life? Yeah, Andrew, born and bred in Washington, D.C., and a lot of people say, well, do people really live there, or is it just government? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my family had no connection to government at all. We are in real estate, but growing up in Washington, D.C., and as, as I said, across country to Stanford to go to school there, and then back across country to D.C. to go to Georgetown Law School. And I just always thought, maybe there's a way maybe there's a way this boyhood love of sports, following it, participating in it, being obsessed with it in some ways, that I can marry that with a career. And I had no direct plan on doing that. But it's funny, in Washington, D.C., there was a firm, it's no longer there, it was called ProServe, and they represented a lot of athletes. They also were the firm that represented tennis players and sort of ran tennis tournaments around the D.C. area. The name makes sense. And that was that was my end. And I'm like, Hey guys, can I just be an unpaid intern while in law school? And you know, me from playing tennis, I'm a kid, but let me, let me help. And they did. And I spent most of my law school years kind of being an unpaid intern at ProServe and got a job after law school, turning my back on, I don't know how many lawyers are listening, but I turned my back on kind of a real law career because once you kind of go down the agent path, you're not doing sophisticated legal work. I mean, you're helping guys get deals, whether with teams or with endorsements, financial management, you know, hand-holding, babysitting, but you're not being a real lawyer. And at a young age, even 25, 26 years old, I realized I've got to make this decision here. Mm-hmm. And all my friends are like, hey, you know, hang out with lawyers versus hang out with athletes. Are you kidding me? And I, I had to think about it, but I did. So I moved into full-time agent work, starting in tennis. And then I realized tennis is just a drain. And you're recruiting 13-year-olds and you're dealing with your parent, their parents. And I saw a guy down the hall at the same office, David Falk, F-A-L-K was his name. He was representing Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Alan Iverson, Dikembe Motombo. And I'm like, can I work for that guy? <laughs> and they let me. And then he was so busy with Michael and everything and NBA that I saw we had a few football players, NFL football players. And I'm like, who's helping them? And not really anyone. So <laughs> look at me. I'm, you know, I'm all of 148 pounds. I'm like, I've never played football, but I'm going to be a football agent because this is what I tell young people all the time. Find your space. And it's not necessarily the most uh, space that you're most interested in. And it's like, where's the opportunity? So I found it and I became a football agent. 
And I, I was handling anywhere from five to 10 to 15, one time 20 NFL players being their agent. Mm-hmm. And then I made the first step. I had done this twice in my career. I moved from labor players to management team. So first I, I went to a league called NFL Europe. Oh yeah. They came to me and they said, Hey, Andrew, do you speak Barcelonan? I'm like, what's that? <laughs> Spanish? They said, yeah. I said, okay. Turned out it's not Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> they said, well, we're looking for young general managers in these new league. And new, I'm like, okay, young, I'm single. I'm like, I'll do it. And I left my players behind and I went to the team side, at least in NFL Europe. Yeah. And that I could write a book about. That was, they cheered at the wrong times. They did the wave <laughs> the entire game long. That's They're hilarious. putting up goalposts at the corners of the end zone. They're like cheering. I mean, it was a, we had to put night tables with pillows at the end of each bed. So their feet didn't flop over. We never got enough food. They ruined, I had to bribe customs for equipment. This was a true adventure. It lasted two seasons. Then it folded. Then I went back to the agent business. I had the watershed client of my career. I had this kid that just won the Heisman Trophy at University of Texas named Ricky Williams. He was my guy. After two years of spending time in Austin recruiting him, he leaves me. He mm-hmm. saw a guy named Master P was getting into the agent business. I said, who's Master P? He's a rapper. I said, what's going on? He says, he's starting an agency. I want to be with him. I said, what about me? He said, come work for Master P. And I'm like, okay, I'm telling my wife, I'm going to go work for Master P. (laughs) And then this is how life happens. People don't realize it, but within the same 36, 48 hours, I'm getting calls from the Green Bay Packers. And I'm like, okay, I've had clients over the years, but (laughs) I had one guy there at the time, a third string quarterback, Matt Hasselbeck. You know, I, I have I have a Matt Hasselbeck autograph at my parents' awesome. house. Yeah, that's awesome. One of one of the few autographs I have. One of those uh, one of those years of the teams. Um, my I remember my dad stood in line for like I don't know for a while to get a bunch of players signed this this uh, Green Bay Packers helmet. It's sitting at my folks' house. But that's yeah, great. sorry to interrupt you. So so you, quickly, uh, how I landed in Green Bay, I said, well, they said our coach Mike Holmgren just went to Seattle. I'm like. Okay. I saw Sports Center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, he took the guy, Reinfeld, who ran the whole business operation. I said, okay. They said, how'd you like to switch sides? I'm like, Green Bay? They're like, yeah. I said, okay. Why me? I said, well, we like the way you negotiate. We like the way you deal with the salary cap and manage. And, you know, we want to get more agent friendly. What better way than hire an agent? I'm like, Okay. So I go up there, I meet him. I say, don't take offense at this question, but do I have to actually move here to do this job? (laughs) Uh, And they said, no offense, but yeah. So long story short, I moved there. was there 10 years, 1999 to 2009. And basically I did everything but coaching and scouting. I did all the player contracts. I managed the NFL salary cap. I dealt with the league office on all issues player disputes, player fines, player discipline. I dealt with uh, managing our strength and conditioning and our training staff, all these things uh, that go into working for a team. Mm -hmm. And to bring you up to speed, so we get this out of the way, I just decided 
in 2009, and it was coming for years before that. I wanted more. You know, I wanted more in my life besides being a lifer for an NFL team. And I know everyone says, that sounds like such a great job. And oh, my God. And it was a great job. But for a time, it was for a time. It was a chapter in my life, not my life. And I looked at two areas I wanted to do next, which I've been doing for the last 11 years. Media and academia. Mm -hmm. So on the media side, I've done ESPN. I write a column for Sports Illustrated. I write a newsletter every week. I do a podcast every week. Uh, I write, I, I do TV when they ask. I mean, it's just something that I like doing where I can break down complex topics about sports mm -hmm. into an insider point of view where I've been behind the curtain and I can take viewers and listeners and readers there. And then I take students. I started at Penn at University of Pennsylvania, Wharton. And I was approached by Villanova University about seven years ago. Would you run a program in sports law and sports business? And I've been doing it ever since. I think there's a real appetite out there for young people to get into sports. They just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Most people teaching sports don't have experience in sports. And I wanted to give that. And in this chapter of my career, Andrew, I really look at it as my way of giving back. Now, I'm never going to cure cancer or solve a disease, but I can give back with knowledge, expertise, insight, perspective that others don't have. Mm -hmm. I've been doing that across media and academia and social media and everything I do. And that's been really fulfilling to me this past, this third chapter of my career. Yeah, I love that. And like, sort of through that story that you just painted for us, you basically sounds like you just sort of like brought it full circle, right? Like, you know, from the player and the agency side of things to the team, to the giving back to the up and coming side of things and giving back to people, you know, like me, who you said, you're trying to take the, the viewer or the listener, like sort of on that journey behind the curtain of like, to understand the story at a different depth than maybe they would be able to, if right. somebody telling the story has not been there and experienced the things that you've had the opportunity to do. And um, yeah, I think that is, I think that's awesome. Um, so you said you've been at Villanova now for seven years. Is that what you said? 2014. So eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Seven or eight years. Okay. Awesome. Now we were chatting a little bit off air and, um, and sort of to like preface this, people always used to ask me what I, what I wanted to do as I was like getting into my physical therapy, kind of like healthcare side of my job. And what I always thought the answer was, was, you know, I really want to work with athletes, right? I want to, it would be a dream of mine to be like the physical therapist for X, Y, and Z team, right? And then I start, you know, answering some of these surveys and things in school about like what you want your life to look like. And then, oh, these are the types of jobs that are good for you. And what always kept coming back was like, being able to spend time with certain people, spend time with my family, spend time with friends and family, whatever. And, um, you know, those different job surveys or career placing surveys never resulted in anything athletic um, for what I wanted to do. Cause the experience that I've heard from people who have worked for teams is, you know, that's basically your life when, yes. when you are with that organization is that's what you do. And, um, you know, that consumes pretty much all of your, all of your time when you're not sleeping. And, um, so which, you know, which like you said, for a chapter could be awesome. And, right. you know, even for life could be awesome for the right person. 
But what we were talking about off air is since you've got into this third chapter of your career, you pretty much told me that you've had the opportunity to spend a little bit more time, if you will, on yourself, like fitness, like kind of getting back to your athletic side of things and spend more time doing things that you really enjoy that might be outside of of the career. So um, what types of things are you into these days? Well, I really started in Green Bay where um, I think to get a little deeper on me leaving the Packers, I felt a little bit, I guess, sort of unchallenged later mm-hmm. in my time there. I had done all the player contracts. I had done all the player issues. I had seen everything from a vice president of a football team point of view. So I guess I looked for, you know, if you had to psychoanalyze me, I looked for challenges outside of my job. Yeah. And that's where I got into sort of competition, running, racing, uh, some running races, and then into sort of short distance triathlons. Um, For people who know Wisconsin, sort of this Door County area north of Green Bay, would do the Door County triathlon every year. Um, And that's sort of where I got into it. And then, of course, when I left the Packers, then like we just talked about, you don't have that huge block of time at the office. I've been very fortunate to lead this career where I have a lot of jobs, which we just talked about, but I can schedule most of it. Mm-hmm. Of course, Villanova, I have my teaching and sometimes I have meetings and stuff, but I can really do a lot of scheduling of my time. And one thing that's become a non-negotiable in my schedule every day is exercise. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons your listeners know, physical, mental, emotional just how much it uh, becomes part of your existence, how better you feel, how, uh, how you challenge yourself. You always feel better after a run than you did before a run, all those kind of things. So I try to schedule it all the time. And I've transitioned to a couple different areas where I've done short distance triathlons. The long ones for me were the Olympics. I've gotten back to some road racing. I was uh, in Dallas last year doing the half marathon. I did some races during COVID where it was time trial starts. Yeah. Which uh, cheaters like me would do running starts. You know? <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, I can take you inside a little bit of this huge challenge I did last year um, about Mount Everest, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of to, um, before you tell that story, um, to tell all the listeners that are tuning into this, that's kind of how you and I got connected was, was because somebody that my wife knows through her employer who has had an opportunity to meet and get to know you was able to work with you while you were preparing for this event. And when my wife shared with her that, you know, that I have this podcast where for our business of physio room, where we want to talk to people who are one pushing the envelope two like, you know, going out there and doing awesome, cool events and cool things, or, you know, just like, just like living a lifestyle that we want to share and promote to other people. Um, I absolutely wanted to talk to you. So um, we've been setting this up for a couple of months, like finding a time that would work for, for the both of us. So, so yeah, tell us about this Mount Everest um, hiking, climbing event that, uh, that you were training for and completed. I love to hike. Uh, I live back East outside of Philadelphia. Not a lot of big hills here, but I, don't think so. I, I, do, I do live right by the, uh, the woods. So it's always a nice to clear my head. Hopefully most days just walk at the end of, and there is some, some hilly parts. 
but I've gone to mountains before. I've gone out west. I've gone to Mount Washington, New Hampshire a few times. Just trying to get that elevation. I enjoy it. It's just a, like I keep talking about, just kind of a refreshing way to spend time and exercise and air and nature and all the great things that come from it. So one of the guys that I followed over the years is a fitness entrepreneur, kind of crazy guy named Jesse Itzler. Mm -hmm. And Jesse's married to the Spanx lady. I think her name's Sarah Blakely. And he's part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. And we sort of crossed paths a couple of times through our sports connections. And I saw him promoting this thing called 29029. And I kind of looked into it. So 29029 is the height of Mount Everest. Now, with all due respect to my uh, drive, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna hike Mount Everest. It's just it's just not gonna happen for me. But here was a way to make it happen. Mm-hmm. So this group, Jesse Itzler's part owner of it, they take approximately 250 people for three different times a year, and you hike, walk, whatever you can do the equivalent of Mount Everest. So I tried in 2019 and 2020, and I couldn't get in. Mm. And in 2020, well, 2020 turned out to be virtual, but in 2021, I got in, and I got in in Utah. And when I say I got in, that means I was selected to be one of the 250 that gets to go to Utah and start on Friday morning at 6 a.m. And I have till Saturday evening at 6 p.m. to climb 29,029 feet. Now, there's obviously not Everest in Utah. Snow Basin is a ski resort there. The challenge was walk up that mountain 13 times in 36 hours. That's the challenge. Walk up that mountain. 13 times in 36 hours. And I accepted that challenge. Now, this was a completely different type of endurance event for me because there's no running, there's no biking, there's no fast twitch. Yeah, right. And why I was seeing your friend in Dallas when I'm visiting my son who goes to SMU and why I'm seeing a PT here is with all my speed work, I developed some Achilles tendinopathy. Yeah. And even to this day, it's just something that's, I'm going to live with. And your friend Allison got me through it when I was working out heavy down there. And well, I got to tell you, all her work and all the work of other PTs, after about three laps to get to 13, <laughs> it didn't help. <laughs> I was feeling that Achilles. Yeah, like um, I said at the beginning of this episode, you and I have more in common than you think. I, too, have Achilles tendinopathy and have been dealing with that for quite some time. Um so I was just doing a little math there on my phone. So 29029, if you were climbing that 13 times, so that basically makes the height of that that mountain there, um, 2233 feet, right. 2233 feet. Because um, you only count, the, the elevation only counts on the way up, correct? How did right. you guys travel downwards? We did get a gondola down. Mm-hmm. We got a gondola down. And there's some people say, oh, gondola down, like, you know, It was the toughest thing I've ever done because you get up to the top and my first lap, call them a lap or first ascent took me an hour and 10 minutes, right? 
And I'm like, cool. <laughs> By the end, my last ascent took me two hours and 45 minutes. Ooh. So this is what happens to your body. And so my goal going in, and I listen to all the coaches, and I listen to their Olympians there. There's all kinds of people there. Um, try to get 10 before you try to get to sleep. Try to get nine or 10 if you can. So I'm doing well. And after about four, my Achilles is really tightening up. Now they have a, uh, a place inside the lodge with massage and PT. Yeah. So after four or five, I go in there and the coaches are in there telling me exactly what they should have been saying, which is Andrew, get out of here. Do not get comfortable. Yeah. Because every time you come down on that gondola, you can turn right and you can go to comfort and lodge and PT and food and fire, <laughs> or you can turn left and you got to turn left. You got to turn left and just go back up. And it takes everything in your brain and body after a few of them to just go left and start again. And the afternoon sun on that first day, it's hot in Utah now. It was August. And I'm like, oh boy. And then they're like coaching you, like, just try to get a couple at night. Try to get a couple at night. I got food. They tell you eat, not just eat the space food on the mountain, eat real food. Yeah. So I sat down, had real food, but then they're pushing you out of there because you don't want to get comfortable. Um, and then by the time it was dark, I, I had gotten in seven and I'm like pushing to get eight. And then I'm going to go to find a place to lie down. And then there's this girl like, come on, I'm going to go up for nine. So I go up in the middle of the night and, uh, and I made it up with her and she was all eager, like, let's just do it. Let's go all the way through to get 13. And that's where I declined. <laughs> and then, you know, and then they have, they make it hard on you because the walk to the tents, they have tents where you sleep was 15 minutes. Oh. So I'm looking at the lodge, like, where's a little place I can lie down for an hour? Where's a place I can ball up my jacket to sleep on? And it's all full. Everybody's got the places. So I actually trudged back to my tent and I woke up maybe an hour, hour and a half later. And oh my God, Andrew, I could not move. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to do four more. I got to do four more. And now I'm like a 95 year old man. I'm trudging up to the start. Uh, and then I said, how do I do this? And the one thing, you know, this, the coach told me, she said, okay, I'm going to help you up the first part of this. Number nine, don't walk like you always walk. So duck walk or sidewalk. Cause that was the only way I was going to get my Achilles out of that repetitive motion. Mm -hmm. I did a whole lap like that. Trying to Duck use some walk. different musculature. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then trudging through 10 and 11 and 12, and then 13 was your victory lap. Um, so I made it. I made it in 31 hours. I finished at one o'clock. Had some time to spare. <laughs> and <laughs> the stats were out of 250 people, 140 made all 13. Um, it was, you know, it was much more mental than physical. It really yeah. was. I mean, obviously physical with the Achilles, but, you know, to train your brain and your, your body. And I think this was the whole message of this whole thing, which is you want to look back on your life and your year and everything and say, oh man, I did that. 
So now you're like, I can do other things like that. Mm -hmm. No, I can accomplish things. I can conquer challenges. I can move. I can do hard things. You know, and I think so much of us in our life are just set in this comfort zone where we sort of stay in it. We don't press it. We don't do things that are uncomfortable. And the only way, the only way you progress, whether it's in fitness or life or relationships, is pressing the uncomfortable so that the next time you face it, you're a little better at it. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that hearing you tell that story makes me motivated. I might have to look <laughs> into this. And it, yeah. for people that are listening to this, um, you know, to this episode, if um, if they haven't come out already, we've had the opportunity to talk to a couple other like ultra marathon training type of people on this on this show and some of our clients here at Physio Room. And there's a couple of people that I think can think of that probably would like to do this event if they've not heard of it. Um, but all of them had have, have said the same thing that you said. I mean, we're talking about people that have done the Leadville 100 race here in Colorado and the Leadman series, which is a series over the summer of five races. That's just insane to me. Um, we have one woman, Becky Bauer, who has done a 257 mile ultra race across you know, Arizona over the course of four days and there's sleeping involved. And, um, she's actually getting ready, gearing up to run the Western States ultra marathon here oh, yeah. at the, uh, at the end of the one. month, she's been trying to get into this thing for, uh, for a long time. And I know I have the episode scheduled to come out like right before the race goes. So that's very timely, but, um, they've all said the same thing as you just said in that it is so much more mental than physical when it's all said and done, right? It's a huge physical endeavor, but the mind is what is going to help you either get through it or not get through it. Right. Like you just alluded to. Right. And I think I try to do that in, in a lot of ways in life is just try to, uh, try to test yourself, you know, try to do things that push yourself a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. whether physical or mental. And it's just sort of trying to be better, you know, trying to get better every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, honestly, I think just from you telling that story about the, you know, the changing careers to like get through two things that fuel your passion and fuel like what you really want to do at that point in your life. And then constantly finding ways, whether it's, you know, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your business and career life, whether it's in your fitness, whatever that might be to keep pushing the bounds on your comfort zone is like yeah. one of the best pieces of advice that that you could give to all of our, all of our listeners, because that's the only way that real growth and development is going to happen at the end of the day. No, I think that's right. And I tell that to young people and I, I do deal with a lot of young people, whether students or just people reaching out and, you know, the best life advice I can always tell them is um, make yourself different, you know, make yourself something that's not like other people. Now in my world, you know, everyone wants to be an agent or everyone wants to work for a team or everyone wants to be the GM of some sports team. And I sort of challenge them and I'm like, why? You know, why would I hire you? Especially when people say I want to be an agent. I'm like, okay, let's role play. I'm an a, I'm a player. Why would I hire you? You know, yeah. I'm a player. You tell me, you pitch me. Pitch me on why I should pick you as my agent. Exactly. And that brings them back to reality real quick and makes them think, okay, what's 
what do I have different? You know, what is that than all these other kids out here, all these other people? Why am I special? And you dig deep mm -hmm. and you find it. And, uh, you know, I always, I'll tell you a story that at the Packers, we go to the combine every year. Everyone does. And most people know about the physical thing where you run, you test them on the 40 and you test them on right. strength, 20, 25, 20 reps on the 225 and all those things. We also interview mm -hmm. and the coaches are asking things about football. And I'm like, here's what I interview them with. I'm like, tell me what you do when you get up in the morning. And the kid would go like, well, what do you mean? Brush my teeth. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what do you do before you brush your teeth? And he'd go, uh, put on my clothes. What do you do before you put on your clothes? And then everyone's looking at me like, what is, who is this guy? And I'm like, here's what I wanted to know. I wanted to know where's the kid that gets out of bed and does 50 push-ups? Where's the kid that turns on his little flashlight and studies not to wake up his roommate? And where's the kid that's pulling out a book to journal or to write a to-do list or to go over some things or to do an hour of studying. You know, these are the kind of people that are successful. It's the people that are willing to do things other people aren't. It's the people that are willing to be consistent, right? Every day, if not, you know, maybe miss a day, but come back the next day. Consistency is so key and stepping out of your comfort zone. These are the successful people. In whatever walk of life, I have found in sports, but it translates to everything, the two most important drivers to success are going to be self-motivation and self-discipline. Mm -hmm. And it always comes back. I always see success from people who have that. Because in life, your success is intrinsic, right? How you make yourself is intrinsic. It's not for the money. It's not for the status. What will you do with your life if you're not getting paid, if you're not getting status? What's important to you? And when people are successful, it's important to them. Like there's a sense of pride and urgency in their life about what they're doing that's not driven by money or status. And when you see that, it's really impressive to see. Yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. And you you just like hit the nail on the head with absolutely that that the consistency in no matter what you're going to do is going to ultimately make or break whether you're successful in that we you know whether this is a we talk to people that are going on weight loss journeys or people that are trying to improve their their strength and their performances in the gym their you know performances on the track or endurance events type of thing and there is no secret sauce to to exercise, to nutrition, to anything like that, the consistency is going to lead to the results in all of these different facets of life. And um, the people who are more consistent than others over a longer period of time, by no coincidence, usually wind up being the ones that we, you know, think of as being more successful every <laughs> single time. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Show up. Right. Just show up. And you see it over and over again, I'm sure in your world, like, are people just showing up? Like it's easy to blow off things. Yeah, totally. And you know, wake up and do do the thing that you got to do. And that's why you know, in my daily life now, I make sure the harder things are done, like first thing in the morning. Yeah. You know, 
speaking of fitness, I used to be that guy, and maybe I've gotten soft in my old age, but I used to be the guy that rolled out of bed and laced him up and was out the door at 5.30 in the morning running mm-hmm. or biking. Now I'm like, okay, I'm coming down, drinking my coffee, and I'm working on whatever's the hard thing for the day. It might be writing. It might be grading papers. It might be writing a column, writing a newsletter. But I want to get that out of the way. Yeah. So then I have my fitness time, and then I have my meetings, and I just make sure I'm a consistent with, you got something you got to do today, just get it done. And then you do your exercise or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love the saying, first off, do hard things. But yeah, if you can do them before you do the easy things, you make sure you get it done. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you that I need to schedule my exercise time into my day to make sure that it happens so that things don't hit the fan. And all of a sudden the days just went awry. And then I didn't get that thing done that I really wanted to do. Um, you know, and the day's gotten away from me. No, Andrew, this has been great. And I know, I know you've got, um, something coming up here shortly. I want to make sure we don't keep you too long. And, um, and I'm going to go do some hard things after listening to you talk, but, but if other people, you know, are listening to this episode and, you know, they're inspired or engaged with the story that you're telling and they want to like reach out to you or, or learn more about you, how can people get a hold of you and um, to maybe continue this conversation or learn more about some of the things that you've had the opportunity to do, opportunity to do if, um, if they would like to pursue some of those things? Yeah, I mean, I'm very active in media, but also social media, and I'm pretty easy to find. Andrew Brandt, my name, simple, on Twitter, Instagram. I couldn't get the Andrew Brandt. <laughs> I'm Andrew Brandt 2, number two. Uh, and I actually do these reels now where I talk about the issue of the day in my world, which is sports, sports law, sports business. So on Instagram, I'm very active doing that. And obviously, people can reach out to me there. The newsletter I mentioned, the Sunday 7, is uh, subscription free. Just go to andrew-brandt.com, andrew-brandt.com. And that's where I you sign up. Just give me your email. And every Sunday morning, I'm going to send you out seven thoughts that I have. And those of you interested in this topic, I always put in some fitness and life thoughts as well as my sports thoughts. So encourage you to get that. My podcast is called The Business of Sports, wherever podcasts are found. And my column is every week at Sports Illustrated on the business of the NFL. So all those ways to find me, um, you know, and I'm, uh, I'm always willing to help out and, and talk to people about their goals, just like you are, Andrew. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for carving out the time to, to join me on here and be part of this show. We'll put all of those things, the newsletter, Instagram podcast, and the website, all that stuff in our show notes for this episode so that you guys who tuned in to listen to this can easily find that just like Andrew said, wherever podcasts are found, because that's where you can find the code. And thank you guys for tuning in to this episode today to listen to Andrew and Andrew talking about Andrew Brandt's life and all the things he's had the opportunity to do. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.